Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Hello, welcome to the Money Men episode of the 6th of July 2023. Steve May and Luke Styles, your Money Men, here with you. Last week, Luke flew solo. I did, I was, mate. Uh, I was away, yep. floating around, uh, down south, playing very ordinary golf for a couple of days. <laughs> but um, actually, um, I've got that out of my system. So um, thanks for going solo last week. I think that's the first time you've uh, done an episode yeah. on your own. Yeah, I have. Yeah, so well done. Thanks, um, mate. Appreciate it. Okay, this fortnight, so well, first of all, general advice warning, um, which comes on at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, make sure, if you can, that you spread the word, um, let me, let people know about the podcast. Yep. We're growing our listener base more and more every fortnight, um, but the more the better. That's exactly right. What's happened over the past fortnight, Luke, yeah, in, well, in the markets? Yeah, so we're just catching up um, off air. ASX uh, is flat for the fortnight mm-hmm. in the US, where the Dow Jones is up about 1%, mm-hmm. and the S&P 500 up about 2% mm-hmm. for the fortnight. So we were, And we were just discussing, um, up until a couple of days ago, the ASX was trending uh, um, in positive territory, so yeah. it can just it can just show how quickly things can turn around and change and move. And you know, we say that every episode, don't we? Do we? don't we? That uh, markets are volatile, and it doesn't really matter what has happened over the last fortnight. Mm-hmm. But it is sometimes interesting just to have a look and and see what's happened. But yeah, if you look at the ASX uh, and its daily chart, um, all over the place, up and down like a yo-yo. It's uh, and it's the same with the other markets. It's exactly it's exactly right. They all follow a similar trend. Reserve Bank decided uh, for mm. the first time in a little while not to increase the official interest rate this month, mm-hmm. which uh, has potentially created a little bit of confidence for how long, who knows? Um, and no one knows what's going to happen with interest rates, no, um, not even the Reserve Bank governor, um, you know, from, from week to week or month to month. And, um, and you know, they know when they announce it, but, uh, you know, I don't think they know, you know, until very close to the announcement what they're actually going to do. It depends on a whole lot of data yeah. and, uh, and stuff that comes out. Yeah, so. it, it, is, it is interesting. You know, they are discussing and flagging that inflation has passed its peak, but it's still too high. So when you hear the language of still too high, hmm. um, you know, you, you, I would just say buyer beware. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it may mean that there are more increases to come. Mm-hmm. Yep. Property market still seems to be reasonably... Um, Buoyant is probably not the right word, but um, there, there's not as much stock on the market, mm. but there are still buyers um, I, I, for the stock that is on it. I went um, to an open house on, um, yeah. not for me buying a house, um, I went to an open house on Saturday mm. and I estimate there would be 60 people there. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've only bought one house yeah. um, and I think I've only been to one or two open houses in my life hmm. and I've never seen so many people. So hmm. it was actually quite shocking. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they're just looking? Most of them are just looking or looking, for, yeah, waiting to see a bargain or what are they, what are they doing? Or are they genuine why, buyers? Why be there? Hmm. I think people, yeah, people are generally interested in what's happening. Um, yeah. Um, so it could, well, it could well be the fact that they're all potential buyers. Yeah, the real estate agent would be happy if they are. They, I'm, I'm sure yeah, they would. Yeah. I'm sure they would be. So yeah, yeah I, I found I found that interesting. There was, mm. you know, there were swaths of people. What um, what 
price range was that one in? Uh, 700 to 750. Yeah, so that's that would be considered to be still the affordable range, wouldn't it? Yeah. Know, where, where even if you're paying six to seven percent interest, um, if you've got sound income and, yep. and whatever, then it's, it's still probably affordable. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and and it probably do, you're exactly right, Steve. It, do, it it makes sense at that level, and and mm. it seems to what we've been hearing anecdotally, mm. you go up that next step. Mm. Um, and it seems that things have softened a little bit. Yeah, you're pushing uh, to that one point two to two million dollar plus market. It started to yeah, soften, I think. Yeah, yeah. But again, it does depend, doesn't it? So there can be a buyer um, for any property, um, or there may not be a buyer for a property in a certain price range. Yeah. Depends I, on what's going on at I, the time. I think there's still an exodus from mm. the Sydney areas, mm. um, and people, you know, showing a lot of interest in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie area, mm. right? and, mm. and it kind of does make sense. Yeah. So, as we all know, as you and I know, we're not property experts or property agents, so it's really just what we're hearing on the ground, isn't it? But, mm. um, yeah, it does seem to be in, the, in that uh, probably lower end, uh, mid to lower end, that there's still uh, plenty of activity and plenty of sales occurring where the stock is there. Okay, so today we are going to talk about so uh, the win, win of the a win of the fortnight. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have a, then a bit of a chat, a, a chat about uh, uh, the increase to employer super guarantee contributions. Yeah, superannuation in general mm-hmm. as a bit of a refresher, mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit on, about how to avoid property investment failure. Good one. Okay, uh, win, win of, of the, the fortnight. Yeah. Um, so. For me, this fortnight um, came across a, a lovely couple who were referred um, by some other lovely couples um, who, uh, what, what, you know, what you consider in Australia to be um, you know, very high income earners mm-hmm. um, and have done really well in their you know, early to mid 40s to you know, own a nice home, have no mortgage. Um, and have a, quite a substantial sum of money in savings. Yep. Um, and when I say substantial, I mean substantial. I'm not going to say how much it is, but yep. um, um, more than most people will probably ever have in their bank account yep. um, at any time. Um, so professional couple um, who have done really well to you know pay off the mortgage and squirrel away some savings, mm-hmm. uh, not squirrel away, to put away a large sum of savings, but... Um, from there, had no idea around what to do and how to do it. Um, and we had a, you know, we had a good conversation around because they've never seen a financial planner before. Yep. Good conversation around, um, hey, what should we invest in? I said, well, that's secondary mm. um, to what the real issue is here, and that is that we need to understand what your goals are. You know, yep. so what, what do you need to spend money on in the next, you know, one to five years, mm. and and five to ten maybe on stuff, you know, kids' education, um, updating cars, doing yep. any work to the house, etc. Yep. Um, and probably just as importantly or more importantly is, you know, when do you want to retire? So mm. you're early, mid-40s, um, do you want to be working until you're 80? Do you want to be working until you're 50? Do you want mm. to be working until you're 60? Or somewhere in between, or somewhere or whatever, in between. you know, whatever um, it is. And once we um, know that, we also need to know what do you think you'll need to be spending in retirement to be comfortable mm-hmm. bearing in mind that you spend more now than far more now than the average Australian couple would in retirement mm-hmm. or even whilst they're working yep. um, so it was a good good deep discussion around the fact that financial planning isn't just investing mm. um, 
financial planning is about planning um, and the investing comes as a result of understanding what the goals are. Yeah, it falls off the back of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy, like, you, you're saying this and I'm just thinking about it now. How, how often what do we invest in mm. is posed as the question before yeah. what are we actually trying to achieve? Yeah, like we've that. spoken about it many times, haven't we? It, it's, it's why things yeah. should come first. Yeah. Why do you want to invest? Why yeah. are we investing? And we had, we had the conversation around, you know, we only ever want to take as much risk with your investing as you need to mm-hmm. to reach the goals that you yep. set. Um, yeah. So, you know, that was an initial meeting with um, you know, a couple of very lovely people. Um, their homework now is to go away and do some thinking about, A, um, what their retirement living standard might look like, mm-hmm. what their short to medium term expenditure goals look like, mm-hmm. as, as, as in, you know, lump sum expenditures. Yep, yep. Um, and importantly, how much of their cash flow can they comfortably commit to investing to provide for their future. Yep. So I, and I joked with them and I joke with uh, all potential new clients is that I, I give that exercise to people after the first meeting to go away and do. It shows that they've got a sense of commitment to it if they mm-hmm. go through it, mm-hmm. and through with it. And if they don't, I'll probably never see them again um, if they don't have the commitment. And sometimes yeah. it does. We, we talk about it, don't we, where if we give people some... Um, cash flow or budgeting for want of a better word, work to do probably about I'd say maybe 50% of the time they never come back yeah and I yeah, think yeah. I think I think that element of making that commitment is, mm. is, is mm. so important and so true but yeah it's just it's it's just a stark reminder to say you know as you're pointing out high income earners high levels of savings really well positioned what the question is what do we invest in yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm seeing people at the moment where they've made that decision for themselves mm. with no thought about the why. Yeah. Um, and they're in all sorts of pickles. Yeah. So it's just interesting. Yeah. So um, I've, got a, I've got a sense that this lovely couple um, will, won't take too long to do their homework and will come back to us um, because they do seem very committed and, and very um, keen to make the most of their position. Yep. Um, so that was a good win. Yeah, awesome. Good one, Steve. I don't have any for the fortnight, everyone. So that's right. Um, you don't have to have a win every fortnight as long as between us we've got one, Luke. Yep. That's good. Um, okay, we're going to have a bit of a talk about superannuation now. So I thought um, a bit of a superannuation refresher mm-hmm. at the start of the new financial year would be would be good. Um, but you wanted to talk about a little change to the um, super guarantee contribution yeah, that's it. Tell us about that. Well, everyone's received a pay rise. Happy new financial year. Mm-hmm. Um, Many wouldn't even know it. No, but, and that's exactly right. We're already, just, uh, we're already just talking off air and you were saying to me, could you just check your payslip and make sure it's actually yeah. gone through, <laughs> um, which I haven't. Yeah. But if anyone, um, most people probably wouldn't be aware, but the superannuation guarantee was legislated uh, to increase from the first... 1st of July 2023 from 10.5% to 11% of salary. So that's the amount that the employer has to contribute. Correct, correct. Um, So that has occurred Mm -hmm. um, and everyone has received a 0.5% pay increase. So so if your salary is $100,000 up until um, June, uh, the end of June, your employer was paying you $10,500 in super. Yep. 
from now, from July, um, it'll be 11000 Exactly right. So $500 and pay rise at that level Yep. without even having to ask for it. That's exactly right. So, so I thought it would be fun just to run a little example and, mm-hmm. and work out what that pay rise is worth to someone. So all things being equal, uh, uh, say, for example, we've got a 30-year-old with a $100,000 balance um, right. yep. and a $100,000 salary, mm-hmm. and they receive the $500 increase per annum uh, or the 0.5% increase in in superannuation guarantee. Where does that put them in 30 years with their super fund? And just did a quick, you know, quick calculation. I'm not going to get too scientific about it, but the difference in superannuation balance for the extra $500 a year is $62,000 over that investment time frame over of 30 years. Period, yeah. um, now that, that's not taking into account um, future employer guarantee contribution increase it's, mm-hmm. it's flagged to go to 12 percent 12 percent yeah 12 percent um and not taking into account um pay rises and increases in salary yeah um, over that period of time yeah. either um, yeah so that's pretty powerful isn't it so you know simplistically it's a sixty-two thousand dollars difference mm. for, and and so everyone's aware. What what did it cost you to get that sixty-two thousand? Well, it, didn't it was. Cost you anything. It no. didn't cost you anything. No, it cost was. your employer, but yeah. it was a total contribution over thirty years of fifteen grand. So that fifteen yeah. grand is that five hundred dollars extra you're getting each year, yeah. um, over over thirty years. So yeah. there's fifteen thousand dollars of total contributions going in in addition, and then there's. And then there's an extra sixty-two thousand dollars in your in your super fund at the end of the period. Yeah. So if you and we haven't done it and we won't, but um, if you were to say, okay, salary would increase at three percent a year on mm-hmm. average, mm-hmm. Um, and the SG employer rate will go up to twelve percent at some point. Yep, you're probably talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. and I think so. We've shown sixty-two grand. We know that it's going to go from eleven to. Uh, Twelve. Yep. But it's at least mandated to do. It's yep. at least legislated to do that. So you know, quick um, back back of the piece of paper calculation. I'd just do sixty two thousand dollars times three, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I would say that you know you're you're within about the range mm-hmm. to say hey, once these increases actually flow through, I'm one hundred and fifty thousand dollars better off. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank your employer, everyone, and mm-hmm. say. You know, hey, you've actually given me an extra sixty-two thousand dollars over over my you know investment life theoretically. And so, uh, most people in Australia are on um, a salary or wage plus super. Um, technically, if you're on an agreement where it's a total salary package including mm-hmm. super, mm-hmm. technically, and I don't know if many employers would do this, but technically, you would see. Um, half a percent reduction in your take-home pay <laughs> as a result of a half a percent increase in the super contribution. Yeah, so I, and I think I, the, I think I don't know that many employers would do that. No, um, but technically, it could happen. Yeah, and I, and I think there's a bit of I think there has been a bit of noise to make sure that, that doesn't that doesn't occur to people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so generally speaking, most employers have had to provide you a a point five percent increase or half a percent pay rise increase mm-hmm. um, in the form of superannuation guarantee, and that. Uh, half a percent pay increase is not insignificant over your investment life. Exactly, especially if you do all the right things with your super yeah. over time as well. So that, that's what I thought. That nice segue. We'd start to, yeah, we'd segue into superannuation refresher. So I thought, um, you know, rather than be too formal about it, um, I'll just, you know, you know that I've jotted down on our notes a, a number of topics here. So mm-hmm. I'll just run through those and uh, we'll just talk, talk, talk through them and see what comes up. But, yep. Um, so when you're looking at your superannuation account, 
Um, I'd say many Australians don't look at the superannuation fund that often or enough mm-hmm. um, and don't review it often. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some important things to consider. Okay, so number one, I think, is fees. Right, so what fees are you being charged by the super fund and by the super fund or investment manager that's managing your investments within that super? Yep, so there's two layers. There's two layers. One is how much does the super fund itself charge it? Yep. And the other is how much does the investment option that you are in Yep. Charge you. Yeah, and there's two layers in 99.9% of all super funds. I mm-hmm. would just argue, you know, there are yeah. some, there are some, you know, minute examples where that may not be the case. But generally speaking, okay. your super fund is going to have two layers of fees to it. Yeah, and generally speaking, the admin fees of the super fund aren't that high. Um, you know, really, there might be a couple hundred bucks a year. Tops, yep. you know? Well, they um, might be a percentage where they're capped, but yeah, yeah they yeah, come in all sort of different. Yeah, um, all sorts of guises, but generally speaking, they're not. The killer. It's actually the investment fees yep. that can cause long-term performance to lag. So we have a belief, don't we, that if the investment fees are high, mm-hmm. and when we say high, we're talking in, the, in this day and age, over 08 percent of your investment balance. Yeah. Yep. If they're over that, mm-hmm. that probably means that your investment option that you're in is being actively managed. Yeah. And for you to beat a non-actively managed fund that mm-hmm. has really low management fees, they have to outperform yeah. by the amount of their management yeah, fees. And, and, and it's a magnitude at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and it sounds it can sound so, um, for those listening, it might sound insignificant. Like you, you, you say 0.8 or, you know, uh, or 1%, you know, where people listen and think, that's, that's one one hundredth. Like, yeah. that's not significant. Mm-hmm. Um, but... We can tell we can tell you now over time that actually compounds against you exactly mm. how compound interest works in your favour. Mm. Fees compound against you, yeah. and especially percentage based fees. So, yeah. so yeah, great, great, great point. Anyway, sorry, yeah. Steve. Yeah. So, um, so keep an eye on fees. You know, absolutely. If your investment management fees are sitting at uh, any more than one percent, um, and this is disclosed, it's disclosed in your um, in your documentation. If they're more than 1%, you should be doing a review and mm-hmm. having, having a look. Yep. Okay, so fees is one. Um, investment options is another. So many people know, but also many people don't know, that within their super fund, they can actually choose and direct how their money is invested. Mm-hmm. Um, those that have taken an interest in their super fund, if they're in a you know standard Australian super or industry fund, you'll have a... You know, a cash option, you'll have a conservative option all the way through to a high growth or, yep. or direct shares option. Yep. Okay. Um, when I ask most people what investment option they're in when I meet them for the first time, they've got no idea. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the half a percent extra that the employer's going to have to contribute. What if you were in an investment option that over 20 or 30 or 40 years' time, 40 years, was going to give you a 1% or 2% better return than the one you're in at the moment. So if you're sitting in a in a standard balanced fund mm-hmm. that over 20, 30, 40 year periods yep. might return 7% mm-hmm. compared to a high growth fund mm-hmm. that over those periods of time might re- return 8 or 9, mm-hmm. does that make a difference? Well, in my little um, 
example, it was a half a percent increase in mm. wages, and so we might be able to apply the same concept across the investment performance. Um, if I'm looking at a percentage difference, I could, I, I might be able to argue that, you know, there's a hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars difference by just mm. choosing. Um, the appropriate investment option that is going to give me the performance that actually is matched to my profile. Yeah. No, we're not saying that everyone should be in the high growth investment option because no. if, yeah, if you're 70 years yeah. old, um, yeah. that might not be suitable. But if you're, if you're 20, you, um, you probably can, doesn't make much sense to be sitting in a cash option. No, no. And But Steve, you, you, you raise a very valid point. There's the investment options, and you say some people, most people don't know about them. Mm. Some people might. Mm. And I'm going to go a step further. The ones that actually do know about the investment options, that's actually a double-edged sword because the amount of times we've sat down with people who do know what they're actually invested in Mm. and during times of market turmoil have moved from the high-growth investment because they know, hey, I want to be in, you know, I know enough to be dangerous and I want to actually get some return. Oh, market's jittery. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, If I don't know what's going to happen, I better be conservative, move move all my money to cash. Um, So by even having these investment options within the super funds, they they can absolutely be a double-edged sword because Mm. as we all know, and if it's not obvious, by moving in and out of asset classes, that's a that is that is not a good decision. Mm. That 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 is not good investment process. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because human nature makes people make the move and um, lose. Okay. So if, if you're yeah. if you're in a yeah, an investment option that's fallen by ten percent, mm-hmm. and your you know your nature is that that's worrying and you need to get out of that. Well, you lose ten percent, don't you? Yeah, you crystallise your loss. A loss. Yep. You lose your ten percent. Go to cash. Um, and you know, two or three percent, mm-hmm. um, and then you decide to get back in again when it's gone back up by ten mm-hmm. or twenty percent. Mm-hmm. So you missed out on that as well, yep. um, and that is really harmful to the long term balance of your superannuation, <laughs> isn't it? You know? I don't think you can <laughs> emphasise that enough. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a lot. And, yeah, and I also see where people stop um, making their own super contributions when the market's down. Because they're worried. Yeah, but that's the uh, time to make. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly right. So, so that um that the and it might may seem counterintuitive because people see with perfect hindsight you would say hmm. I should have been in there and hmm. out then hmm. and back in and and you know hmm. and we like to think that we're better than we are humans in general. Hmm. Hmm. Um, we, including myself and Steve, probably, yeah. um, but we're not capable of making these quick decisions and getting it right 100% of the time. So, yeah. so I cannot highlight it enough. Switching in and out of asset classes is generally a very bad idea, hmm. especially when you know the basis of that is because of some external market news or mm. shock or mm. whatever's going on. But anyway, I just wanted to talk about investment options are there. A lot of people don't know about them, so that might actually be good for you. Yeah. And then <laughs> some some people who do know about them, it might actually not be so good. Yeah. Um, there's active versus passive. We talked about that a little bit, a bit earlier. So there's a style of investing, which is basically, you know, you're in the market, um, you're in a wide variety of um, shares, mm-hmm. companies, um, very diversified mm-hmm. at a very low cost. Mm-hmm versus active, um, where the, the manager of your money is um, making calls and bets, and uh, not bets, um, making decisions, um, active decisions about yep. how your money should be invested. Um, and you just you sort of just need to be aware of, um, of what style of investment that you are, are actually in. Yeah, I, th- I, think that, I think that's extremely important. Um, there's the industry fund versus non-industry fund thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think... It goes with 
all superannuation investing that whatever fund you're in you need to understand it yep okay so just because it's an industry fund doesn't mean it's better than another option that you could have mm-hmm. um there could well be a better option who knows but do your research understand what the fees are understand what the you know performance um you know um, has been like over time um and don't just fall for the for the advertising um Make your own decision. Yeah. Can I can I interject with something that might yeah. be controversial? Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're saying it, not yeah, me. Yeah. Industry, industry funds have typically been touted as the ones that have performed a little bit better mm-hmm. um, than the average retail fund, even though you and I have worked out there is no average retail fund. Mm-hmm. Um, their performance um, relative to other investment options that they cherry pick and choose in their ads mm. is really due to large unlisted assets, which we've all spoken about. So mm. office towers and buildings yep. that have had valuations on them that have been flagged as questionable by the Australian regulators around superannuation. So so just take that with a grain of, grain of salt, what you hear. Mm-hmm. Um, they have articulated a performance that is off the back of things that, May not really be representing the whole picture, so mm-hmm. that that's a that just just be aware of that. Yeah, do your homework. Yeah, yeah. do your do your homework. Do your research and understand mm-hmm. what you're investing in. That should that follows for every type of investment that you make. Mm-hmm. If you're invested in something, including this you know, mysterious super, you need to understand it. It's your money. Yeah. Okay, um, insurance. Uh, most super funds have the ability for you to have life total and permanent disability and income protection mm-hmm. insurance. Make sure you understand what you have and what's available and do a bit of an exercise on, on what you should have um, compared to what you do have and uh, make some calls around increasing or reducing accordingly. Now, if you're really old, not really old, if you're approaching retirement, you don't have much in the way of debt and you're just setting yourself up um, for your retirement, you know, maybe you don't need a whole lot of insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do have a whole lot of insurance, remember that that's sucking money out of your super balance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the opposite end, if you're a younger person and you've got debt and you're reliant on your income to be able to continue to to, to amass wealth, mm. then you probably need to consider having insurance yeah. and insuring and and being confident that in the event of the worst thing happening, that yourself and your family are going to be okay financially. Yeah, and, and it's an annoying thing because, you know, you... you probably need the insurance when you can least afford it mm. and so you know if it if it's feeling uncomfortable it's probably right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know with, with, within reason but yeah, you, know. We, you know we see lots of claims don't we you know um compared to most people yeah, um, yeah. so we know the benefits that the insurance payouts provide mm-hmm. uh, peace of mind financial security in, mm-hmm. in the worst time of anyone's life um, but yeah, it can start to cost a lot of money as you get older. Yep. Um, so you need to continually review it. You know, you, you will probably have insurance in your superannuation fund. Yep. Do your research, make yourself aware of what you got and make some decisions around what you should have. Um, beneficiary nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, we see many, many super funds that don't have a, um, a nomination made. So beneficiary nominations right. is basically you telling the superannuation fund trustee where you want the money to go in the event of your death. Yep. Um, what do we commonly see? A, no beneficiary nomination. Mm-hmm. What happens in that case? Well, the trustee of the Decides. super fund just makes the decision as yep. to where the money goes. Often that would be just to the estate, mm-hmm. of the, uh, you know, so to the will you know, yep. of the person who's died, but it's not guaranteed that that would happen. No. So if someone came to the super fund trustee and said, 
hey, I've got a claim on this money because the superannuation fund trustee has to take that into consideration. Yeah, um, that, that, and, and that's a valid point. Mm-hmm. They, they are legally required to take that into consideration. So whether it's whether it ends up being successful or not, it's going to be time-consuming nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I think I think the complaints tribunal, the you know, it's not the superannuation complaints tribunal anymore, it's AFCA, but they are effectively kept most busy with... Um, Death benefit claims. Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. So, so they're, so they're conflict around that. Yeah, okay. conflict around that. So, so and if we other, get a, mm, yeah. So yeah, the sure other thing that we see that goes wrong is um, people nominating a beneficiary that actually isn't valid. You know, so can't nominate your cat. Can't nominate your dog. You can't nominate um, your brother or your sister. Yep. Um, you can nominate um, dependents. Mm-hmm. Um, spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. Isn't it? Children. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, so it's extremely limited, and there is and there are some um, acute tax considerations that need to be addressed when you're making beneficiary nominations. Mm-hmm. So, so there are there. It is not a straightforward exercise. No. Um, no. So you know, well, well, in in many cases it is. You know, if you've got husband and wife, normal normal family, um, and you leave to each other, then that's. Yeah, that's yeah. But, it, but, but but for you as an individual, it may not be as straightforward. I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. So, like with a little bit of guidance and a little mm-hmm. bit of um, you know, a nudge and a prod in the right direction, it mm-hmm. can be quite straightforward. But you know, there are a lot of people who just don't realise, you know, how complex those circumstances necessarily mm-hmm. are. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it it it's just a it's a it's one of those things that is pretty boring and morbid to talk about, but. Mm-hmm. Getting it right up front is going to make a big difference with your superannuation on on how things are handled. Yep. So there's that. Then there's you know the fact that you can actually make contributions to your super. So your employer makes contributions on your behalf if you're yep. employed, um, and you can also make additional contributions. So you can make um, additional tax deductible contributions mm-hmm. up to certain limits. Um, and that's quite tax effective, isn't it? So by making those contributions, you can actually claim a tax deduction um, yep. for them. Um, we won't go into the nitty gritty of that, but no. um, you know, there's the ability to make tax effective extra contributions to your super over and above what your employer does. Yep. And then there's the ability to make um, after tax contributions to super um, that you can't claim a tax deduction for, yep. um, but enable you to get money into that, you know, future retirement um, structure, yep. uh, which is super and superannuation pensions. And, you know, just call me up if we're running into time issues, Steve, but for those out there, just a very basic refresh of what superannuation is, it is just a tax structure. Mm. It is a tax structure out there designed to benefit you as the member for your retirement. And that tax structure is tax that's capped at 15 cents in the dollar. Yep. So for all of us out there, if we're earning more if we're earning in a bracket that's above 15 cents in the dollar on earnings, it actually makes a lot of logical sense to park money in that environment. Now, remembering that the disadvantages there are it's not typically not accessible until retirement, so that might be anywhere between 60 and 65 years of age. Mm. But considering those things, all super is is just a an investment mm-hmm. inside a tax structure. Yep. So, and it doesn't even need to need you know with some limitations, of course. Yep. Um, but it doesn't need to be addressed as something much more complex than that in a no. lot of instances. And it's a tax structure that once you reach retirement and convert to account-based pensions, mm-hmm. 
zero tax. Uh, um, yeah, and I so think that's that's even more powerful. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. So so, uh, so getting money into that superannuation environment over time mm-hmm. means that you, one of the current laws anyway, yeah, are guaranteed to be in a zero tax environment mm-hmm. in retirement. All right, we've only got nine to ten minutes to okay. go, so we're going to finish up on superannuation then. Hopefully that was a bit of a refresh to everyone. Um, key messages there, do your research on your super fund, okay? Know what you're invested in and make conscious decisions about it. Okay, people, despite the interest rate rises, um, there are still plenty of people talking about investing in property. Yeah. Okay, they're talking about, hey, this is a good time, um, prices are going to go down, is there a bargain there to be made, you know, should we do it? Okay, so got me thinking. Um, Investing in property can fail. Right? Can not, it? It's, yeah, not, I mean, it's not always a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, and you know, many people think that it's just a fail-safe way to make money. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily. Um, you know, as we know now, interest rates are, are, are becoming higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, so there's just some things, and these are these are things to consider when investing in property and, and the mis- mistakes not to make. Number one mistake people don't make is they don't do the numbers before yep. they buy. Okay, and it might seem might seem common sense um, that you do your numbers, but many people just say, okay, well, I'm going to go and buy a property. Um, I'll have someone in renting it who'll pay it who'll pay it off for me. That, fair. That's that, that's a, that's a very yeah. um, and that and that has been the trend probably for the last three or four years or even five yeah. years so, to say. Yeah. So if the interest rates are two percent mm-hmm. and you borrow eight hundred thousand dollars. Um, then the interest on the loan is $16,000, yep. right? Yep. Um, $800,000 property, you're probably going to collect net rent of um, $24,000, yep. say, um, and it covers it, you know. Um, but when interest rates are 6%, the interest cost is $48,000, yep. um, and the net rental income might be $24,000. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you've got to find twenty four grand. Mm-hmm probably less by the time tax comes into it, but you've got to find money out of your household budget to support it. Yep. So don't make the mistake of biting it off and then understanding what the cash flow is going to mm. cost you more than you thought cash flow was. Absolutely. So so do those do those estimates and under, and try and understand it up front. Mm-hmm. Um, did you talk to your accountant? You know, a lot of people don't even talk to their accountant before they buy an investment property. The first thing the accountant knows about it is when uh, they're doing the tax return for the fi- first financial year that the mm-hmm. property's been mm-hmm. held. Um, so it's important to engage your accountant, have them walk you through you know, the key numbers and possibly give you some tips or, or pointers towards um, maximising your tax deductions yep. um, through depreciation and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and potentially even um, how would it be best um, owned? So yeah, so what, that, that, what name should it yeah. be owned in? And, and that seems to be one that I find is you know extremely overlooked. Like mm. it's just it's just set up because that that's the way we did it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, um, might have been might have been a better way to have attacked this over the last ten years. But yeah. you know, ten years it's too late. But and they can have massive tax uh, knock on consequences if you don't consider those things up front. Yep. Uh, it's easy to get carried away when you're looking at property um, and potentially borrowing more than you can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you might start off by thinking you're happy with a you know, tax loss of 100 bucks a week or a couple hundred bucks a week or in this day and age maybe four or $500 a week. Um, but as time goes on, you might be less happy dealing with that. You, don't, you just don't want to get yourself into financial difficulty and overstretch yourself um, initially. 
Fair point. Very fair point, Steve. Mm-hmm. Interest rates. Um, common mistake people make is they think that they'll just be at the current level forever. Yep. So you may go out, you, you borrow at 6%, and you think, okay, I can do it at 6%. Um, no worries. But what if rates go to 8? What if they go to 10? What if they go to 12? Um, do some scenario testing around what would happen to your life if you had to find another $500 a week yeah, I over mean, and above the, the $500 you have already got to find. You know, if we look at it simplistically, like mm. rates are two to three times higher mm. than what they were, you know, <laughs> mm. not even 12 months ago, like mm. effectively 12 months ago. Mm. Um, did you factor in a 100% increase in your cost of borrowing? Mm. <laughs> probably, probably not, no. because that because that just that mm. just sounds mm. that sounds fanciful. That sounds mm. that just sounds stupid. Yeah. Um, who who goes and invests in something and says tomorrow my my operating a component of my operating expenses could increase by a hundred to one hundred and fifty percent or two hundred percent even. So mm. so it's not even it's not even something. But but it's so important to consider. So mm. like I was thinking about this recently. What what should we what should we be doing? Well, there should be a cash flow buffer or an interest rate sorry an interest rate buffer built into your estimates. Mm-hmm. You you're borrowing at X yeah. today, so it might be six percent, might be six and a half. Can I can I afford seven and a half percent? Yeah. And if you can't afford seven and a half percent, then ensure that you've got savings um, reserves mm-hmm. that could uh, get you through um, and and cover it for an extended period of time. Yeah. No, so. But but I think I think it goes back to the message of you know if it's not affordable at that level, hmm. is it is it a wise investment decision hmm. for you at that point in time? And you know there's a lot of other things that need to go into that into into the you know um, into that process of making that decision to buy a property. Like I'm not just saying interest rates are the only thing to consider, but we've got to be smart about it. Hmm. Like you yeah. you can't be just crossing your fingers and toes and going I'm in hmm. and It'll do its job uh, because it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, which leads me to the last point, um, and we talk about it every episode, and it's mm-hmm. research. Research, research, research. Yep. You know, too many you know, would-be property investors just fail to understand you know, the property market or, or the suburb that they're buying into. Mm-hmm. That can lead to them you know, paying too much for a property mm-hmm. or spending too much money on renos or, um, you know, and overcapitalising. Yep. Um, and what's overcapitalising? That's a situation where you know you have spent more money on the house um, than it is worth upon completion of the spend. You know, um, yep. or you paid too much for the property in the market that it's in. Um, you know, you don't want to go out and spend hundred, two hundred thousand dollars on a property doing renos to flip it and find that you only get an extra fifty grand for it. Yeah, and you've lost, haven't you? Yeah, and you don't consider all the all the possible taxation implications, which often seem mm. to not be considered until later. Um, it, you know, it's probably just to help wrap it up. But be careful you take advice from mm. regarding um, investment properties. So I was yeah. talking to someone recently um, who contacted us and said, "Hey, you know, this is what we're interested in doing. Um, you guys going to give us some advice on which property to buy?" And I, th- I said, "No." Um, and I said, this may be right or wrong. I said, just be very careful who you actually do take advice from, um, uh, you know, around what to invest in. Are yeah. you taking advice from someone who has some conflicted, form of conflicted interest in the arrangement? Then you probably shouldn't take advice from them. Like yeah. that, that sounds pretty, that, that's a very, um, you know, 
I'm giving a very yes or no answer there, but you, pro- you if you don't understand exactly what the conflict is, mm. just be careful about engaging them. Um, it's, it's the same with all of this thing, isn't it? If, if someone's got a vested interest in making money out of something that they're going to recommend you buy, mm. then get another opinion. Yeah, you know? uh, pro- uh, probably a good, um, yeah. so we good way of putting it. You know, the old, the old schemes where people get flown up to Queensland, you know, have you know, have a couple yeah. of nights accommodation yeah. on the house. Covered. Um, go to the seminar, um, get shown some properties. Sign a sale contract. Yeah, sign a sale contract because <laughs> it all sounds so good. You know, sign it, you only, know, give us, yeah. only give us 10% today, you know, we don't need but anything else. People have flown you up there and, um, and put you up, uh, you know, make obscene amounts of money out yeah. of the sale. And it's a very deliberate sales strategy mm. to mm. get you to commit to something. But even on that lower level, like just be very careful who you're going to take advice from to mm. buy a very illiquid asset, mm. arguably, um, usually with debt. So there's a few big risks, ticket item risks. So not illiquid, very concentrated and debt. Yeah. So, so there's some big risk factors that are, need to be considered. And I'm not saying that risk is bad in this instance, mm. but... If they're there, make sure that the guidance is right. Absolutely. All right, don't make those mistakes. Good. So that's us for the for this episode. 40 minutes is up. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you spread the word, grow the movement, the Money Men movement. Ask a question. Ask a question, and uh, we will catch up with everyone next fortnight. Good Thanks, stuff. Luke. Thanks, Dave. Okay, see you all.